welcome to what is becoming an annual event, the NCUTM podcast that takes English exam boards through a post-mortem of the summer exam series with the aim of picking out information that might be useful to our teacher listeners. You can find this exam board podcast from previous years or indeed any of our non-exam related podcasts on the podcast page of the NCUTM website, ncutm.org.uk. But what you're probably more interested in is what the exam boards have to say about this year's exams. And since this year was the first full run-through of the new A-level, we're going to start by discussing that, though we will get to GCSE later. As in previous years, we're joined by representatives from the three main exam boards in England. They are, opposite me, Neil Ogden from OCR. Hello, Neil. Hello. Can you tell us a little bit about what your role is at OCR, please? Uh, so I'm a subject advisor at OCR, um, looking after a number of maths qualifications, so working on qualification development as long as as well as preparing resources, support, things like that. Okay, thank you. And Graham Cumming from EdXL, can you talk a bit about your role there, please? Yes, I'm a subject advisor as well, so it's guiding teachers through the uh, minefield of exams as far as we can to um, provide resources and um, allow us to to, um, prepare teachers to prepare their students as well as possible. Okay, so you're the sort of outward faces of the exam boards? Yes. Which is Pretty how you much. come to be here. Yep. <laughs> and then we also have Andrew Taylor from AQA. Andrew, do you want to talk yeah, about so your role? My official title is, is Head of Curriculum Mathematics. My, my role is broadly uh, similar to, to Neil and Graham's. Uh, I spend a lot of time talking to teachers about assessment, uh, helping to, to grow their assessment expertise, but also listening to teachers so we can take their expertise uh, back into AQA to improve what we do. Okay, thank you. So let's talk about this year's A-levels then in maths and further maths. We'd like to know how students got on. Do you want to start with that, Graham? I think it has been a testing time because I think there have been a number of changes to the A-level, certainly in the terms of the content, uh, the assessment objectives and and the emphasis. It's been very similar to the GCSE two years ago in terms of more emphasis on interpretation and modelling um, and the way that that's been in put into the questions. I think it's come in, it feels like the A-level maths has been being introduced for a long time, but it still feels rushed in, in many ways and to many teachers in terms of getting practice materials and resources ready. Um, so I think the, the changes to the style of questions have uh, have caught a few out. But I think like the GCSE, there's been an emphasis on saying it's more about understanding the maths, not sort of doing some, some past questions again. So some things were always going to uh, to look difficult. But I think in terms of the distribution of marks we've seen, I know that it's you know students haven't been achieving as many marks across the range, um, except perhaps at the top end. We feel that the best mathematicians um, have been coping with it. Um, but perhaps a bit further down, the, the sort of BCDE students um, have found more difficulties with it this summer. And is that um, borne out with yours, Andrew, at AQA? Uh, yeah, broadly speaking, I mean, I think whilst the, unlike GCSE, the government policy wasn't to actually make reform day levels harder, however... Really? How, <laughs> exactly. However, the changes that were made 
across the board with, with, with the move from unitized to linear qualifications, the decoupling of AS level, and then the specific maths changes that Graham's mentioned around an emphasis, a right emphasis on modeling, on problem solving, and, and so on, and proof on use of technology. So whilst, whilst there wasn't a policy incentive to make things harder, it has made things harder. And, uh, and yet to reflect fair outcomes for those students, that inevitably means that the grade boundaries are going to be somewhat lower, certainly than we were used to with units. I mean, it's, it's not a like-for-like -like comparison. When I look at the performance of, uh, of the first A-level papers, and I see mean marks of, in our case, between 47 and 59% for the papers and the different sections within the papers. Whilst that may not compare well to the previous unitized system, certainly that would compare very well with, say, a linear GCSE. I suspect, though I've not checked, it compares pretty well with other reformed A-levels. So I think it's it's really difficult to make comparisons with the former modular A-levels and not see that this has been a, a massive change because it has been a massive change. And Graham's absolutely right. You know, we've been engaged with it for seven or eight years, but it still feels rushed. Uh, so are you saying that you're happy with where your mean marks are? Uh, Ish. I, I, I don't know about happy. I'm... I, they not they di they didn't appear disastrous across the piece. They enabled us to set uh, grade bounds that were different from those we used to in a modular setting, but certainly defensible within within uh, a linear specification. And obviously, as as is often the case, and I think we'll particularly see it at A level, as as teachers and as students get more material to look at, to get more familiar, then I think we'll see those boundaries rise. That's 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 uh, a common thing. Okay. And uh, would you say that your that your E grade boundary, which was low across the boards, were you would you say that was disastrous or? No, I wouldn't say disastrous at all. It's you know it's it's an inevitable consequence, an almost inevitable consequence of trying to fit five, well, six grades, if you count the A-star, uh, across uh, across 100%, then it's, when you think about that, it's unsurprising that the, the, the bottom grade isn't terribly high. Yes, we'd like it to be higher. Uh, right. And, uh, you know, it, it would be good to see that. Uh, and, and again, it's very difficult within the constraints of the assessment objectives and the overarching themes to have a lot of low tariff, straightforward uh, questions in the papers that there just isn't room for them and, and, still, meet, and, and still meet the requirements. Uh, so the challenge is, yes, to have those questions where you can and make sure they do their job, but to have some higher tariff, lengthier questions that can be accessible to a wide range of students and can be tackled by the full range of students, even if they don't get full marks on, say, a seven-mark question, but plenty of them pick up the first mark, two marks, three marks, so that students feel able to engage with all the questions and make some progress. Uh, and that's really that sense of ramping within the question uh, is is different from GCSE, where the ramping tends to be across the whole of the paper. Right, But okay. those... those, those uh, a question that might be split into two or three parts, but might be 12 or 15 marks in total. We hope that there are 
certainly some marks that are accessible to all students, but only uh, a few students, the more, highest attaining students, will, will, will get right to the top. OK, OK. And has, has the experience at OCR been similar, Neil? Yeah, I don't think we've seen anything sort of particularly different than, you know, what the other boards have in terms of the overall outcomes. Um, the trouble is always when you get sort of a new specification coming through for the first time that although we did have the assessment last year, it's always quite challenging to make any like-for-like -like comparisons when you're sort of looking at, you know, the assessment first time through. I mean, we were looking through our question papers and there's a few sort of questions and a few topics that students seem to have responded quite well to, better than, you know, we might have thought. So, I mean, there was, a, there was an implicit differentiation question that students really seem to respond well to. But whether, you know, that was just a specific one-off question within a set of papers, you know. Um, certainly looking at the different sections and obviously the new A-level math, you've got the compulsory pure mechanics and statistics. Um, the pure sections and the mechanics sections in the A-level math students really seem to do quite well on. The uh, statistics section was um, done slightly less well, and I think it's certainly worth noting that, you know, as you go through the content for the new A-level maths, you know, there's quite a lot in the pure content that's really quite familiar, is really quite familiar to the, the previous C1 to C4. Right. Familiar for the teachers, you mean? Uh, for the, yeah, yeah, I yeah, think for yeah. the teachers. In terms of the underlying content, there are obviously changes in terms of sort of the problem solving, the modelling and sort of how the questions are put. But in terms of the underlying content, there are a lot of comparisons. Mechanics, similar thing, really. But I think statistics is really the one that's changed quite a bit. Statistics is you know, much more of a focus now on uh, analysis and interpretation of the statistics and less of a focus on the calculation. So I think sort of that quite big shift in emphasis has sort of changed and, you know, really, you know, had a caused a difference in how students are approaching that stats content. Right. And I think sort of alongside and on top of that, you've also got technology coming in with the new calculators and you know, the way that, that students should be using those in assessment because a lot of the stats, um, you know, the data tables and things like that, that were always um, in the legacy qualifications. They were on paper, they were on students' desk, and they were able to, you know, look through the tables to find the values. The new assessment requires students a lot more to use their calculators. And so I think that, you know, the ability for students to be able to do that is sort of something that we have noticed. And I think that flows through as well the pure and the mechanics sections because there are quite a few questions there where the new qualification and the new mark schemes expect students to be doing a lot more on their calculator. Mm. And we did see quite a few students doing that, and that's fantastic, but we did, still did see quite a few students working through things on page, you know, solving quadratic equations or something like that, that the mark schemes maybe expected them to just plug into their calculator and get an answer straight out. And it wasn't unusual for that through that working for students to come across an error, you know, slight silly little slips in their calculations working through that could quite easily have been avoided if the students had been maybe a bit more secure with using their calculators. Right. And whether that's the students or maybe some of the teaching staff are a bit sort of, you know, they need a bit, you know, more familiarisation with these new calculators. But, that, you know, that's part and parcel of change and hopefully sort of as, you know, everyone becomes a bit more experienced and confident within the new assessments and, you know, the, the calculators that are out there, hopefully that will build and that will develop and that will come in future years. Yeah. You can see there'd be a time penalty there as well, couldn't you, if you're For trying sure. to work that's out a quadratic in, on paper that you could do certainly. on a calculator. That's, that's part of it as well. Time, you know, we, we can... 
always have a look for how well students have done, you know, if they're getting to the end of the paper or things like that. And although the length of the assessments has changed for the new qualifications and slightly longer papers, we do feel that students have sort of been able to get to the end. So although there may have been a time penalty, they may have been a bit less able to go back and check it's easier for us to see sort of the errors that have come in within the cat. It's easier for us to see those penalties coming in. You know, they are sort of literally black and white on the page that we can, you know, spot those. Yeah. So I was going to ask all of you about the length of the papers, actually, because they are longer, but not only are they longer, You've these students are now doing two years of assessment in one set of papers, which is very different to the modular system, isn't it? The, the papers are longer in some senses. I think the, the statistics and mechanics have become shorter, well, certainly for us, mm-hmm. because it's a two-hour paper and it's one hour of each section, which is less than they would have had on a S1 or an M1. OK. Um, and uh, just as an aside, I'll seem to have done better on the statistics than the mechanics, so can, <laughs> you know, sometimes you've got to dig down onto the questions rather than mm-hmm. the whole topic area. Um and again, I mean, back in the day, students used to do two unit papers, one after the other, often one hour and a half and a break and another hour and a half. So coming to do a two hour paper is, uh, you know, feels like there's a bit of a rest. Although okay. that's been some years since they did that, I think. Um, I think that the length of the paper is, is tied into the challenge. I think if, if students are finding the questions difficult, they will take longer to do them and it will feel like you know there is less time to do the paper um, to get through it. And I think there have been some you know, uh, complaints from some to say the papers are too long and that's because it feels like there's not enough time to cover everything that's that's in there. Again, going back to the changes and the new new challenges in there so I think we need to um, always go back and review and say what is a sensible amount of time you know for an average student really Mm. to be able to um, make an attempt on most of the questions yeah and were students running out of time on yours Andrew there wasn't huge evidence of students running out of time in terms of great swathes of students not completing the paper but I think I think there was a, a sense of pressure of time uh, throughout it, and and it's exactly as uh, as Graham described. You know, challenging questions, where students in an ideal world need a little bit more thinking time before they get stuck in. If, as Neil said, uh, some students aren't getting the time benefit from the technology and therefore spending more time on that, uh, then then I, I think it it feels more pressured than in the past. I think would be the overall thing. Yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, yeah, that whole move to linearity and how, how as teachers you prepare students for a, a linear examination or teach them towards that linear experience, I think you know, we, we are dealing with uh, probably yeah, the majority of teachers have only ever taught within a, a modular system and probably many, many of them were taught themselves within a modular system. So there is an adjustment there. Uh, and you know, I'm, I maybe I'm looking at the world through rose-coloured spectacles, but somewhere in that adjustment, there is, there is a freedom somewhere in there to teach in a different way and not to have to teach to the tyranny of the unit. Uh, and I think you know, it might take some time, and I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't want to overplay this, but I think somewhere uh, that the, there are positives uh, to be had. Uh, just as, as Graham's mentioned and Neil mentioned it, in terms of differential performance on different parts, uh, 
we saw very similar performance on the two applied sections uh, and and on those two applied sections that was somewhat better than the overall performance uh, across across the pure right I think the biggest demands of time were felt felt like it certainly felt to me when I did the paper but I'm a very untypical candidate uh, felt on on the paper that was all pure pure one that's the one that really felt a challenge in some ways for me looking at the papers I'm talking to some people the kind of the relief of the applied sections kind of kicked in I've done loads of pure now I've solved these problems I've done this modeling now that here's a bit of here's a bit of lovely mechanics to be getting on with. Right. Uh, so so is that all pure paper that which would happen to be paper one of course with us uh, that perhaps felt the tightest, felt the most challenging. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Although it actually had a slightly higher mean than the pure part of paper two. <laughs> so there you go. So this cohort that just went through this this new specification are the same cohort that went through the new specification with GCSE, and the new GCSE was intended to be harder to prepare candidates to be good at A level. Did you see that reflected? Neil, do you want to start with that one? Well, I, I think sort of as I begun the previous question, it's very hard to sort of say like for like how yeah. well they did because we don't have another group of candidates that have come through having done the new GCSE 9 to 1 qualification to compare them to. Um, you know, the, the new GCSE 9 to 1 was certainly... Um, supposed to sort of elevate students ability with problem solving questions and the mathematical reasoning i think it's sort of might be fair to say you know that some of that is carried on through into the a level but then a lot of the a level sort of problem solving has developed even more sort of beyond what the legacy a level did so i think that there, there is maybe sort of comparisons to be made i think it you know it could be easy to say that yes it has set students you know, up for the better A level, and I very much hope it has. But the, in this first year, there's been so much change kind of happening and so much kind of, you know, movement within so many things that sort of being able to see a direct link from the GCSE into the new A level when the new GCSE changed, when the new A levels changed, and both of those sort of completely, you know, threw everything up in the air. Um, I think making a sort of one-on-one -on -one comparison and saying, you know, this has led to this. It's probably not something I can sort of sit here now and say, but hopefully in future years, you know, we'll be able to sort of have a bit more of a look at the data and sort of see if there's, you know, stories in there that we can begin to tell. But I think right now it feels a bit too soon to be able to right. really do that. Do either of you two have anything to add to that? Not a huge Andrew? amount. I, I, I think I broadly agree with Neil. I think the the emphasis on reason and problem solving in the new GCSE is a good thing, but I think a lot of that emphasis in teaching and and in the examination and in, in, in the strong performance we're seeing from strong candidates, strong students, is around reason and problem solving with with ratio, with number, uh, maybe with shape and measures. And I wonder if there's been some loss in uh, in algebra uh, kind of strength among other than the very uh, the very strongest students at GCSE, and certainly the kind of algebraic problem solving and reasoning that that becomes required for A level. 
I don't think yet GCSE is 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 really focused on preparing students for, mm. and maybe it never could be because it's it, it's too broad and too universal a qualification. Right. We did see a few errors coming in, sort of in students' algebra when it came to the proof questions, and yeah, quite a few of them struggled in those. That's interesting because the proof at GCSE has been ramped up massively, hasn't it? It, it has, but I I think it's. There's been quite a focus on a particular style of questions at the GCSE, and I think that really changes at A-level. And also, I think, even though at GCSE it has been increased, I still don't feel it's one of the areas that students are doing fantastically mm-hmm. at GCSE. Right. Yes, maybe up at the higher end of sort of the students get going on to get grade 8 and 9, but as a whole, I think proof... And and the arguments section as well that sort of sits in alongside it is still really something that students are struggling with quite a bit at GCSE. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. That we haven't seen great performance on proof type questions. I think the trouble is with the demand of the GCSE and slightly lower boundaries on that, as you can still get your grade eight and nines without necessarily having covered the proof questions or, or answered them, even if you're being taught them. So oh, it's it's hard to say how this is carrying through to the A-level. I mean, certainly for me, because I don't teach any students or mark their exams. Mm. Um, but I felt with the 2017 GCSE is that there were quite a, a few teachers and students who perhaps hadn't caught up with the new demands, and that takes a few years to percolate through, and you need to see some assessments you know, to work out what those demands are, and I think that will carry on to the A-level. It will take a few assessments mm. for people to realise the the way that things are going, and that's that's fair enough, I think. Okay, um, so I want to talk about the grade boundaries a little bit more. Um, I'm worrying about the low grade boundaries, which were sort of in in the teens percent for the grade E, weren't they? And I'm wondering if you think this might have any effect on take up. I know numbers were down this year again. Uh, sorry, down this year for the first time for a long time. And I'm wondering if you think that's going to be worse again next year. I think I think it could in terms of how students perceive their performance to have been. Um, certainly, I think this summer many would have come out thinking I didn't do very well in that paper, and then being surprised by their by their grades. Um, we had a student protest about the demand. What, uh, Pleasantly surprised, you mean? Well, yes, I think so. Um, you know, we had a student protest that was about the leak and about the demand, but um, that I'm assuming those students all came out with the grades they wanted. Um, it's it's gone fairly quiet, but um, Sorry, we saw so, this. So, are you saying that the, there was? There was disquiet after the papers were sat. Yes, and then there wasn't after the grades came out. Not that I've not that I've okay, seen. That's, no. interesting. Um, that's interesting. But I think we had this at Curriculum Two Thousand. Is it suddenly was it was felt that maths had become too difficult in comparison to other subjects, um, and you know seeing that, I don't think you'll see it that uh, if you get an A on fifty five percent, whatever it was. Um, that you'll think it's an, an easy subject. And I, I think the, you know, the demands of it, it's, it's no longer like GCSE because it's not um, compulsory. So students can make a choice about what they do. Um, and in Curriculum 2000, again, stories percolated down that maths had become a very testing subject. Right. Um, and if you need something to get into university and you're not too concerned about what it is, you can lose... I think students, you know, the not-so-strong ones, I think there will always be those that want to do maths and further maths and will will be very strong. But 
it will also have a knock-on effect to the to the further maths i think and that's always quite precarious in the numbers we've we've done very well in building those up mm. um but I, I do worry about the knock-on effect for those particularly. What about AQA? Are you worried about numbers? Uh, it remains to be seen whether the drop in numbers this year for A-level mathematics was more to do with perceived difficulty of the A-level or more to do with the difficulty of going through the nine to, being the first through the 9 to 1 GCSE, as we were yes, talking of course, about. Yeah. And now, of course, all GCSEs are 9 to 1, and therefore... The, the pain is shared more equally. Yeah, I'm hopeful that, that maybe in part because of that, that numbers will recover. Uh, I'm just wondering, did you get a sense that the numbers might have been affected by students dropping out along the way as the challenges became apparent, rather than by the number of students that... T- I know you don't really know how many... We don't know, and I've had no particular feedback mm. in that direction, yeah. The, the only conversations I've had about students who are dropping out are a few with, with an old teacher who said students have dropped out and picked up core maths instead. Uh, but certainly I've not heard that enough to think that that's a wave and that's greater mm. than before. I, th- I, think, I think there's great risk of, of, of that. It's, it's that fear of the unknown because it's linear you know, the, and, and, and nobody's doing AS. That sense of well, where are these students, and are they going to end up with a grade, and are they going to be successful? Mm-hmm. Is, is a big. Concern. I think the uh, thing about the numbers can be an artifact of the cashing in and the way that people, the further mathematicians, often get a maths twice in year twelve and year thirteen, and what's recorded is actually the awards made rather than the entries made. Um, so I think the drop has probably not really happened this year. It's next year is the numbers that I would be concerned about. What about you, Neil? Have you got anything different to say about that or is that the same experience that you've had? Uh, not anything massively different. No, I, I, you know, whenever there's a change in numbers, sort of particularly with this group that, as has been mentioned, it's from GCSE to A-level, where exactly does it sort of sit? I, I might be a bit more looking towards the GCSE as the cause, just bearing in mind that relatively soon into the new teaching of the new... A, a level sort of after summer 17 I think there were a few surveys done by a few organizations I think the MA may have done one where they were they were specifically questioning maths teachers about numbers about uptake sort of oh, yeah. with the group of students that had just sat the new GCSE nine to one and sort of getting you know teachers feelings as to what you know the students had then gone on to do and my recollection of it that is that that at that point in time did say, you know, numbers are down and sort of felt that it was more to do with students coming out of the GCSE 9 to 1, maybe not loving as maths as much as maybe sort of earlier cohorts had done. And so maybe that was sort of where it lay. I've heard less about students turning away from A-level maths because of the demand of the papers. I certainly, you know, have had various conversations sat with teachers and departments and things like that where, you know, they'll tell the story of a candidate or two that has maybe dropped down either to doing AS or core maths, as Andrew mentioned. But that has been, you know, the case for quite a few years' time. You know, it's yeah. certainly not unusual to have a an entry of, you know, students in year 12 and a couple of them move off to do other qualifications mm-hmm. as well. So that's kind of my thinking, but as... You know, both Graham and Andrew have touched on it's very early days, really, to be sort of, you know, making firm conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think one thing I, I I would say that 
that this new A-level has done nothing to help us widen participation in A-level mathematics. I think the sense from most teachers recruited into sixth forms is they're thinking of higher grades being required at GCSE to, to take on an A-level maths rather than widening it and start to say, well, if you've got a grade five or a grade six, you can you can do A-level. As you can right. in other subjects, it's it's going the other way, which I think is a real shame. Yeah, that's, that's sad, isn't it? Can I add one more thing yeah, on the boundaries? I, I really don't like low boundaries. I don't like 14% for an E or 55 for an A. I would like to see a lot more across the spread. And I think it's something that is an afterthought to the whole design process is that all the thing, all the new objectives and the new content comes into the A-level. And I think you need a sense of, okay, how much do we want the best student to achieve? How many marks do we want them to get? 75% or so. You know, we've usually used to run on around 80% for an A and around 40% for an E. Mm. And that's fairly, that shows something fairly substantial that students have done. Um, and if we're not seeing anything substantial around the E, you know, and in some ways around the A, um, I think it's then something's gone slightly wrong with the with the design and and our aspirations for those students and what we want them want to see them be able to do. Yeah, and the feeling that they come out of the end of their course with about maths. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So just a question about what teachers what their what the takeaway from this bit this podcast might be in terms of what they should focus their A-level teaching more on, given that you've seen some data from from the uh, papers, what would you suggest? You've, you've given me some implications for GCSE, but I wonder about actual A-level teaching. Do you want to start with that, Andrew? Yeah, uh, I, th- I think we've mentioned it a number of times, uh, proof questions, particularly what I would call creative proof questions so there's there's the learning through the 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 rigor of kind of formal proof but then there's that thinking creatively in order to prove things Uh, and and we've had a couple of questions uh over the last two years uh that as yet haven't performed really well but i think are really interesting uh questions uh i was going to say modeling and then i was looking at some data today and actually one of the most successful questions uh, across our of papers is a modeling question but nonetheless my general sense is that modeling particularly modeling uh, around pure maths is 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 something that can throw a lot of students and they just can't get into those questions right. uh, and and i think a key thing is and we've mentioned it a number of times is is that whole use of calculator technology to make your life easier and getting very slick with that and very effective and efficient with that but also of course remembering when when it's appropriate to use it and when it's not and that's difficult isn't it because that's not only about teachers learning the new technology it's about schools having that technology available and being able to afford it Hmm. um, as well as students being able to have it to hand yeah no that's 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 absolutely true but it it, uh it's a, certainly, I put it down uh, as the reason why it took me so long to do the A-level paper, because I'm absolutely not on top of uh, my class whiz. Well, Other it... calculators are available. <laughs> Neil, what, what about you? What would you uh, say? Well, between what I said earlier and what Andrew's just said, there's, yeah, there's maybe not too much to add. I think there's certainly quite a bit to be gained from uh, more familiarity with using calculators. Um and I, I think that, that there's there's quite a lot to be done just sort of through students just 
being able to work more with some of the basics, I, I think quite a lot of some of the er you know the concerns that the examiner's reports highlight is, you know, um, students making careless slips with algebraic manipulation. We had a few questions where it was um, exponentials and logarithms, and students were making a few slips there. Um, setting up of hypothesis testing as well. You know, the, the things that we we hope that students should be quite prepared in. Mm. And you know, I I think we may well come back to this when we speak about GCSE later. But I think there's there's quite a lot of mileage to be gained, sort of in you know focusing students on those areas really. Right. Thank you. Graham, have you? Yeah, I think algebraic demand has been one as long as I've, well, since I did A-level, you know, <laughs> moving from O-level to A-level, it's always been uh, a difficult area is, is getting students prepared for that. Um, I do think, like Andrew, the modelling is important. It's seeing the maths you're using in some sort of context. A um, couple of modelling questions we had did better than I would have thought, actually, but um, in just understanding what that model does... And there's a certain maturity in that, in moving from the basic techniques to being able to, to use them. But maybe that will eventually be an advantage of the linear system, is that you have got two years for that to sort of percolate down in a way yeah. um, that you can model it. I think that a lot of the questions now, the AO1 marks, those basic technique marks, are wrapped up in a bit more problem-solving questions, so they, they have to be found. Um, and perhaps teachers need to look at that where, where those sorts of marks sit within what looks like a, a modelling interpretation question. Um, and as far as, as we can, get students to try so that they might get the first few marks. Um, this applies to GCSE as well. Not look at a question and think, I can't do anything on that. So let's talk about GCSE a bit then. Um, this is the third full cohort to go through and I seem to remember in the first year you were saying that the first cohort was a strange one because there was no resitters in it because most of the resitters did the legacy GCSE and then last year was the first, if you like, normal cohort so this year is the first time we've got a comparison so I'm hoping that the, that the data will be rich. Um, so... Uh, Andrew, do you want to just start? Is there anything general you can say about how students performed this year compared to last year? Uh, Are we getting better at the new spec? Well, in part, uh, I think there's a big, big emphasis on ratio in the new spec. Certainly at the higher tier, our examiners reported a better performance on ratio. But is that because of the questions we happen to ask this year? You know, it's very difficult to know. One thing I did notice, and I don't know that performance across the different assessment objectives, fluency, reasoning and problem solving, seems somewhat flatter than last year, whereas performance between the different content areas is spikier than last year. Not got a clue what that's about. Would love to know whether that's the same for Graham and Neil. Mm. Graham and Neil? N Neil, do you want to start? Um, in terms of comparing performance to last year, I, yeah, I think it's fa fairly, fairly similar. Um, Looking at ratio, uh, there was one particular question that we had on foundation to paper three, question 15b, is quite a straightforward ratio question, um, simply stating, you know, B is proportional to A, B is 10 when A is 8, work out B when A is 9. So quite straightforward, we would have hoped, and yet it was one of the, it was really low performing question, and, right. and it wasn't sort of anything to do with its position in the paper, sort of the surrounding questions students had all done particularly well at. But that one relatively, I would hope, straightforward ratio question, student performance just really dropped. So I think, you know, certainly a foundation tier, there's 
particular evidence, although what you could extrapolate from performance in one year on one particular question. I, yeah, there's still certainly some challenges there with working with the ratio and things like that. Looking at the content areas, looking at the assessment objectives, is sort of, yeah, saying the same stories as last year, sort of the number content, um, probability and statistics students seem to be doing quite well at, struggles in algebra. Um, main struggle still seems to be in geometry and measures with sort yeah, of a lot of the ratio questions sort of somewhere coming in the middle. I think students are quite keen to get into them, but they, yeah, sometimes struggle to, you know, fully understand what's going on. And then moving on to the assessment objectives, um, AO2 is still looking to be the show that questions that are causing trouble and then some of the problem-solving work where students are trying to work, particularly from a mathematical starting point, seems to cause a bit more challenge. Sometimes when the problem-solving is a starting off with a starting point that is real life, you know, yeah. someone in a restaurant or buying shopping, you know, the standard things, students seem to get into those much more readily, but when the starting point is problem-solving from... Um, maybe maybe some shapes on the page or a graph then sort of students seem a bit you know l less likely to get into it and fully right. you know right. succeed on those okay okay so maybe maybe a takeaway from that is more time needs to be spent on mathematical contexts rather than real life contexts which they seem to be quite good at yeah yeah potentially but once again these are you know quite a sub sets i mean yeah, when, yeah. when we we're speaking about a level earlier i said i would come back to this and so here i am I think the, the sort of the main strides that students could make is probably with getting many of the basic things right. I think all, quite a few of the examiners' reports continually highlighted sort of students. We feel that there are sort of quite simple, basic the initial questions on the page that students are quite often, you know, making a few slip ups and things like that. Um, all of that said. Performance on the non-calculator papers this year did seem to be stronger than it has been in the couple of preceding years. So, you know, there's, may, you know, once again, it's a single snapshot in time, but there does seem to be, you know, a bit of evidence there to say that maybe students are getting a bit more comfortable with working with, you know, the mathematics without a calculator, certainly right. this year. Okay, that's interesting to know. Is that the same for you, Graham? Yeah, hard to say entirely. I haven't done enough on comparing the assessment objectives, but AO2 is, again, the one that's probably been found most challenging. It's the explain questions. Um, I think it's hard sometimes you, you look at it and it can come literally down to whether the question was a harder version of, of the topic area or the assessment objective last year. So yeah. <laughs> sometimes that's a difficult comparison to make. But I think that generally... The performance has gone up and I felt on the higher tier a lot happier and it may be the way the questions are set in that there aren't questions at the end that no one's doing. So, we, you know, students are the best students are still getting through to the final questions and, uh, and getting some decent results on those. Um, some things that jumped out on me were probably, again, geometry measure. The scale questions are still difficult and students had a spectacularly difficult time, a lot of them drawing a cylinder this year, which I was surprised at. Um, uh, but that was a surprisingly difficult area. Um, feels like the algebra is improving slightly as well. Um, Again, you can say whether that's down to the questions or whether that's down to algebraic ability. You have to dig a bit deeper, um, right. but it just felt that it, it was a bit better this year. So, I mean, it sounds to me what you're all saying is that that teachers and students are getting better at this new specification three years in. Is that fair to say? 
I think so. I, I think there's still an element of questions that you've seen before in some way or another perform better. Anything that's new and that we've tested in a slightly different way is still quite a challenge to a lot of students mm. to come on one and say, I've never seen one like this before. What do I do? So we're still looking for that resilience to try and write down something you can find out about a given question. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to go away in this new qualification. I think we're all required um, to write questions through the problem solving, through the reasoning sort of assessment objectives that don't look like things that have seen before to sort of face students with a problem and say, you haven't seen something quite like this before. What can you take out of this toolbox of mathematical skills that you should sort of come to this assessment with and what can you take out of that so i think certainly yeah comparing it back to yeah the older qualifications you know there isn't going to be sort of towards the life towards the end of the qualification there isn't going to be a, a set of past papers where you can see everything that's gone before i think even in the final years of this qualification we, i think it would still be the case and indeed going back to conversations we've had with, we've had with Ofqual, there should definitely still be questions coming up each and every year that are going to look you know unfamiliar to students yeah. from yeah. you know the, the method that they're having to use I mean they should know it there shouldn't be anything that sort of you know that they're unfamiliar with from that point of view but the, the way that some of the questions are posed sometimes are going to have to you know make students think a bit more yeah. someone once asked me if i could provide them with a collection of those sorts of questions <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i can't just something graham uh mentioned just just reminded me uh when he mentioned the cylinder questions requiring drawing skills whether it's drawing graphs whether it's drawing shapes whether all those constructions all seemed to be not massively well done this year. Now, mm. I, I don't know yeah. whether that was my impression, but it, it, that was one thing that hit home. And the other thing, again, got, going back to what Neil was saying about reasoning, questions at, at different levels of demand that require students to create an algebraic expression from a situation and do something with it. Mm. It really struck me this year that uh, from, from those that were differentiated across grades eight and nine to those differentiated across grade four and five, all all of those were, 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 were not massively well done. Mm. So those yeah. are my two kind of things that struck me particularly this year. Yeah. yeah, we had another example of a construction question. I think in previous years, constructions, it's always been set in context and it's, you know, it's finding where a shopping centre should be built or an airport or something like that. This year, we just had a fairly straightforward construction question. And, and I, th I think it was it was about a, a point to a line or constructing the perpendicular off the top of my head. I think that's, that's what it was. But um, it still wasn't one that students were doing particularly well, despite the fact all the framework had gone and it was just sort of a straightforward, quite explicit, do this. Right. But students still, you know, seem to struggle quite a bit. So, yeah, that, that is maybe sort of one of the takeaways from this, that that is maybe something that students could do with a bit more yeah. practice with. So I think it would be really nice if you could if you could all give me an example of a question that you felt pupils were really well prepared for in your GCSE and then maybe a question that you've felt really bombed because they weren't that well prepared for it. Do you want to start, Graham? There was one on the higher tier that actually surprised me. It was a um, proportion question, algebraic, um, direct proportion. H is proportional to B and B is proportional to the square root of T. Find H in terms of T, okay. which I thought 
We can put be, these on the podcast yeah, page. I thought so. it would be really difficult, but about a quarter of the students got the full marks on that. So when I came to it going through, I didn't think students would do do well, but they seemed to, um, um, on the whole, do very well. But, but a quarter of them getting the full marks, I think, uh, was particularly good. Okay. Um, our... Um, our question that didn't go well was on both tiers was a truncation question, and it was uh, it was knowing a, I think it was eight point three on the shows on the calculator, or, or it starts with eight point three. What's the range of marks that the, that this could be? Uh, okay. Um, and people are used to um, you know doing it to one decimal place, but not truncation. Right. Yeah. So that's something new, isn't it? On the it new is GCSE, something new, so. and it's kind of almost not noticed. And again, I think this was a case of I haven't seen a question like this before. Okay. What about you, Andrew? I think the question that struck me most, surprised me most in terms of not doing very well, was a very straightforward draw pie chart question right. on foundation tier, which. I naively thought would be kind of meat and drink to students, and it just wasn't. Uh, in terms of the ones that performed really well, uh, I think again on the foundation tier, uh, I think I think it was on the foundation tier, maybe even in common. Uh, something that I've gone on about in the last two years about students struggling with was anything to do with converting units, and there's a conversion of units question uh, that was about going from. Was it from cubic feet into gallons in the end, or some something like that? But it was a kind of two cha- two stage conversion, and, uh, and and students this time performed really well on it. Oh, right. So that was that okay. was that was nice to see. Yeah. What about you, Neil? Okay, well, um, What's your favourite question. <laughs> um, so a few minutes ago, I, I mentioned the ratio question yeah, on foundation yeah. tier that students struggled at. So that would be sort of my example of a foundation tier question, um, but. Um, Paper 3, question 13, we also had sort of a question where it was involving units and conversion and sort of working with um, working with those um, around um, someone spending uh, money on petrol. Um, yes, students seem to do quite well at that, so I think, you know, that, that that's always sort of pleasing to see. Um, quick look at higher tier. Um, here, both my examples are going to be from paper 6. So question three, we had a question where students um, were just looking at, um, I think in part A, there was a pie chart. And then then in part B, I think it was a line graph. And it was more about interpreting and, you know, um, explaining, you know, what, you know, the the issues might be around that. So students didn't really do too well at that, despite the fact it was it was question three. And I don't think the demand was all that much, but maybe it's just, I think we've all said in previous years, these sort of explain questions and where students have maybe got to sort of write, you know, not a lot, but, you know, a couple of words and things like that. But yeah, students didn't do do too well at that. And then final example. um, um, That seems to be a theme running across this podcast, actually, the interpretation of data, because you talked about that with A-level as well, didn't you? Yeah. So, you yeah, know, I, I, getting students to interpret data rather than just draw graphs or whatever is difficult. Yeah, yeah, I think that's certainly yeah one mm. of the things that's coming through. And then, Sorry, and then, then finally, um, question twenty-two, which was the very final question of paper six. Um, so it's working with populations and a formula and sort of expanding growth. Um, final question, 
paper six normally students are sort of flagging at that that you know but students did really well they flew through and you know quite a few picked up really good marks on that question so yeah that was really pleasing to see about that yeah okay all right thank you very much gentlemen it's been uh, it's been really interesting talking to you and hopefully some of the things that you've said today will will help our teachers to prepare students for next year's exams and the year after um and if any teachers would like to subscribe to our podcast please do that and um, we're, we're getting more and more frequent podcasts and hopefully they will help you in your day-to-day teaching okay goodbye thank you